Jump to the book of James. We are right in the middle of a series looking at this book of James. Um, I'm not going to give it an overview or context or authorship. If you want that, go to our podcast and listen to previous messages. I want to sort of get right into it uh, fairly quickly this morning. But if you want to turn there to James chapter 3, we'll read along in just a moment, verse 1 to 12. So what I will say about this, this is the, the sort of the premise, preface, context for this series, um, and that is this book will challenge you. It'll challenge your Christian conduct, it'll challenge your lifestyle, it'll challenge certain behaviours and habits that we all have as people, and it'll make us think, well, am I aligning my life with God's word or not, and what adjustments do I need to make? But the goal really is not to feel condemned, this is not like going through this book to go, oh, look how bad we are, look how off the mark we are, not at all. What this is is an invitation for us to be inspired to, to step it up in our uh, discipleship to Jesus in our becoming more like him. That As we are with Jesus, the goal would be that we become more like him. So that's sort of what we see in James, that we will be challenged, but it's to inspire us, not to condemn us. Um, we've looked at a bunch of different topics so far. Uh, we've looked at trials temptation, what pure religion is, are we doers of the word or hearers only, ouch, Uh, the sin of partiality, judging people based on how they look and speak and their background, Uh, and then last week, faith without works is dead, brutal, and today is not going to get any easier, trust me, but it's going to be good, it's going to be very good, Uh, so let's jump to James chapter 3 verse 1 to 12. Verse 1, not many of you should become teachers. Who wants to preach now? Anybody? (laughs) The amount of times people go, oh, I want to preach. And I go, why? Like, ah, why would you want stricter judgment? What is wrong with you that you want to preach the word and therefore bring on yourself double judgment? Go and make coffee. It's way easier. And less strict as well. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Verse 3. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set amongst our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Oh, isn't that lovely? Thanks, James. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird or reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. 
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for this book. We thank you for this time together. Lord, we just pray that we would have ears to hear and minds to be open to receive the truth from your word today, Lord God, that you would help us to put our hearts on the surgical table for your Holy Spirit to do its work and that the, the, the knife of truth that is your word would cut through us to bring healing, wholeness, and to help us become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at, looking at our mouths, our tongues, our words, what comes out of our um, pie hole, if you like. And, um, and so I, I thought I'd start with a couple of interesting quotes. They're anonymous quotes because I don't know where they came from, but they're good nonetheless. They're still good, uh, even though we have no idea where they're from. First one is this. Be careful with your words, for once they are said, they can only be forgiven and not forgotten. Well, that's nice, isn't it? Yes. Be careful with our words. Once we say them, sure, we can get forgiveness, but people won't forget that we said those harsh things. Or this one, which again is from Anonymous. Um, words are free, but it's how you use them that may be costly. Interesting. Many relationships uh, have been severed by Free words or words flowing too freely and, and, and the outworking of that has been very costly. Let me ask you some questions. Do you ever consciously think about what comes out of your mouth? Do, do you ever consider the world that your words are creating in yourself or others? Or does your mouth just on autopilot just go off? And you don't actually stop and go, hold on a minute, what am I talking about? What am I saying? What words of life and or death am I speaking out of my mouth? Is my mouth like this stream that, that James is talking about, that there's salt water and fresh water coming out of it? One gives life and one takes it away. What, what's going on with my mouth? I remember when um, I was in my late teens and I was first, I guess, brought to... It was brought to my attention about this issue of what comes out of our mouth. And um, my pastor at the time pulled me aside and he said, Justin. I was like, yes. And he goes, you are incredibly quick-witted. And I was like, thank you so much. Wow, thank you. He goes, yes, you have such a, a sharp brain and your mouth is just like a, like a whip. And I was like, wow, this, thank you. Oh my gosh, what a blessing. And I went to walk away. He goes, no, no, I'm not finished. That's not a, not a good thing. I was like, What? He goes, yeah, because I've noticed that with your sharp wit, you use it to tear other people down. Um, you will find a fault in somebody and be really quick to jump on that and expose that fault and you'll make them small to make yourself feel big. And it's probably not a good idea. I was like, oh, well, I thought this was a compliment session. I was feeling good about myself. And he said, what you have is a blessing. You have this ability to think quickly. You have this ability to see things, but you just got to flip the coin and rather than cutting people down, use it to build people up. Flip the intent and purpose of that gift around. And so see something in somebody and be quick to call it out and quick to encourage and quick to build up rather than tear down and pay out and make people feel small. Be quick to make others feel large. And so that was the first time in my life I can recall fully understanding the power of the tongue and the words that we speak. So let's get back to, um, back to James. Um, for the sake of time, I have gone through this, these 12 verses and pulled out all of the things that, that James has, uh, or that James describes the tongue as. Verse 5, it's small, 
yet boasts of great things. It's got small man syndrome, if you, if you will. Um, verse 6, it is a fire. Verse 6 again, it is a world of unrighteousness. He's so brutal, isn't he? It stains the whole body. The tongue sets on fire the entire course of our life. The tongue is set on fire by hell. Thank you. It can't be tamed. Well, that's hopeful, isn't it? That's wonderful. Thanks, James. Verse 8, it's a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. It blesses and it curses. Certainly doesn't really paint a great picture of, of the tongue. He goes on to say that the tongue is like the bit in a horse's mouth. It's like the rudder on a ship, that it steers the direction of where life is going for us. And without even going back to Genesis 1 and looking at the significance theologically of the mouth, that, that in the very beginning, how did God create the world? It wasn't through mind power, it was through the spoken word. That he spoke and it came into being. He spoke and he saw that it was good. So, so we see that there is power, even from the very beginning of life itself, in the mouth. So, let's reflect. Let's think. If you want to know what direction your life is heading in, then look at what's coming out of your mouth. That's what I said before. Do we actually stop and think about the words we speak? the tone with which we speak them, the, the, the content that comes out of our mouth. Because if we want to know where our life is headed, what trajectory we are on, what pathway we are on, we need to look at the words we are speaking. And if you're not happy with what's coming out of your mouth, then look at what's getting in your head and your heart through your ears and your eyes. That's really important. Because... What gets into our head and our heart through our eyes and our ears gets into our mouth. What's in our mouth makes our world, uh, the world around us. In James 12, the end of these, these verses, he, he uses the analogy of the fig tree and grapevines, which is very, very similar to what Jesus does in Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree produce good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasures of his, of his heart produces evil. Here it is, the clincher, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in our eyes and ears fills our hearts. What's in our hearts fills our mouths. What's in our mouths fills our lives. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What we see and what we hear is what we believe. What we believe is what we speak. What we speak is what we create. That's how it works. So if you don't like what's in your life, you don't like what you're experiencing around you, change what's in your mouth. And you change what's in your mouth by changing what's in your heart. And you change what's in your heart by changing what gets into your head through your eyes and your ears. So what are we listening to? What are we reading? Who are we surrounding ourselves with? 
Bad company corrupts good character, the Bible says. We need to be really clear about the voices we are putting around our world, the, the, the podcasts we listen to, the news articles we read, the kind of people we hang out with, the, the social media influences that come into our world, because we do not think autonomously. We are the sum result of the influential voices around us that we position ourselves in, and they shape what we believe. What we believe comes out of our mouth and creates the world around us. So we really have to start with what we're looking at and what we're listening to because that will change what's in our heart, which will change what's in our mouth, which will change what comes into our life. Does that make sense? Thank you. Thank you, darling wife. Let's get soups practical, if I can. Here's a couple of things, a couple of statements um, that we have deleted from our vernacular. Because if words really do shape our worlds, then we really must think carefully about the kind of words that we speak. So remember, in the very start of our, of our marriage, before we were married, we heard this, and it's something we have put into place um, forever, and you've probably heard this before, is we will never say, well, why don't you divorce me then? We will never have, an argue, which we have many arguments, um, but in the heat of the argument, we, the no-go zone is, well, why don't you just divorce me? Well, let's get divorced. And here's why that is significant, because in the heat of the moment, we might say that as an empty threat. But words are powerful. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So even though it's an empty threat and we don't really mean it, what we do by saying that and putting it out there in the context of the relationship, our most sacred relationship on this planet, by the way, is we then start an undercurrent of maybe that's a possibility. And so the more times we say that, the more we're putting it out there as, well, maybe if things do get bad, there's an option there. And so we don't want to ever have an undercurrent, well, that's an option for us, that we want to have the sort of relationship that we will work through stuff as much as we possibly can to save our marriage, and that means putting divorce off the table. So we don't say that we'll just get divorced. It's not an option. Um, Our words shape our world. The other thing is... um, and this is something I grew up with a lot that I had to work through is the phrase, I can't afford that, or I can't afford it. And you might think, well, that's, that's why, why would you even say that? That's ridiculous. Well, I think, again, words are powerful. And it's, and it's similar to the previous one in that it sends, it sends a subliminal message to your life and to your mind that you are poor and you are in lack and things will never change. It just, it endorses a poverty mentality if what's coming out of your mouth is, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. And it solidifies you in that place as having a sense of lack. Um, So other things that you could say instead, uh, I'm saving toward that. See how that changes your position? You're not a victim anymore. You're now in control of your money. Your money's not in control of you. I can't afford it means money is the victor and you are the victim. I'm saving towards that means I have got money and I am mastering that money. I'm not there yet, but I'm on the pathway to becoming its master. Or my budget doesn't allow for that at this time. Again, says the same thing, that we are in financial control of our life and we are working towards financial freedom. We are not trapped by a perpetual spirit of lack by saying, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. Super super simple, but super practical. And I I would encourage you, change the dial slightly on the language you use and watch the outcome of your life shift accordingly. 
Our words are powerful. I mean, a few other examples you could use. I'm too busy. I hear that a lot, just too busy. Again, you have subjugated yourself under the pile of your to-do list. And it's become your master and you're its slave. Are you happy with that? Let me just tell you this. You are ridiculously in charge of your life. Why would you put yourself down here under a to-do list and become its slave? So think about things. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. busy." Well, the reality is you are because you have positioned yourself in that space. I'm too stressed. I'm too anxious. These are words that shape our world. I'm not smart enough. How about, I'm going to look into that. I'm going to do some research. We can all grow and we can all read and we can all Google. But that just gives you opportunity to, to advance and move forward and get stronger. I'm not thin enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm, whatever it is, the self-talk we have around ourselves is huge. The Bible has much to say, a lot to say about how we speak um, and the words that we allow to come out of our heart that shape our world. I want to share a few, and we'll close in, honestly, five minutes. I told you it was a quick one. Um, but it's super important. Because it's more than just self-talk. It's also, it's also the way we speak can affect the world of people around us. Proverbs 15.4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Colossians 4.6. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I've learned that one. I, my whole um, childhood, teenage years, I had a quick mouth and I would run that mouth a lot and it would get me into trouble a lot. So I had to learn to keep my mouth and my tongue and that will save me from getting into trouble. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Ephesians 5.4 Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather Bring thanksgiving in how you speak. So let's go back to James, because we're studying through the book of James. And here we find ourselves in chapter 3, but this isn't the first time that James talked about the tongue. In fact, he talks about it in chapter 1, verse 26, when he says this, Those who consider themselves religious and yet don't keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. I, I, don't blame me, that's the Bible. That's Jimmy C, he's mouthing off again. Let me, let me just substitute religious, because sometimes we get a bit funny about that. Let's substitute that with Christianity. Those who consider themselves Christians, yet don't keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their Christianity is worthless. Oh dear Lord. It's hard to sort of, theologically justify that one away isn't it and this is because our words shape our world they are super powerful they can be like a soothing ointment or they can be completely destructive they're like a a small rudder that will steer an entire ship 
and change its whole course of direction. It's like a small bit in a massive horse's mouth. It seems so small and insignificant, but it steers the entire beast. It's like a fire that just gets dropped on the ground and starts a massive bushfire. Our words can start small and almost insignificant, but they have the effect and the ability to have dramatic uh, impact in our lives and the lives of those around us. So I'll finish with this. What's in our eyes and in our ears fills our hearts. What's in our heart fills our mouth. What's in our mouth fills our world. And if we're not happy where we find ourselves in this life, change the way we speak. Change the words we're putting out there. Change the language from I can't afford that to, hey, I'm going to budget for that. Change the language from, you know, why don't you just divorce me to, hey, how can we, how can we solve this problem? Change the language that comes out of it, and we do that by changing what's in our heart. Because from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we can only change our heart, but we allow into our head, through our ears and our eyes. And I know this is confronting, and I know this is going to cause a little bit of conviction in some of us, myself included. But this is not to condemn anybody. But it's a call to action. It's an inspiration for us to stand up to a, a, a greater way of living, a higher standard to, to the God standard that he has for us rather than playing in the sandpit of just our own, what we reckon life should be. There is a greater way. His ways are greater. His, his thoughts are higher than ours. So let me pray for us today. Lord, we thank you for this, this text. We don't like it because it's going to mean we have to change some things. But we thank you for the truth that it holds. Lord, I thank you for those of us that might have just had a aha moment this morning and realized, wow, that's why I'm in the situation I'm in, because I've shaped my world by the, these words of negativity that have been spoken over me as a young person, these words of negativity that I've allowed into my eyes and my ears that have really shaped the way I see life. Lord, I thank you for those people today. That a significant shift would happen in their life, Lord God, that they would change the voices that are getting into their head and into their heart to voices that are life-giving, to voices that are encouraging, to voices that, that are, are like that soothing honeycomb, that, that beautiful truth that will completely transform them so that new words will come out of them and a new life would await them. Would you help us with old habits, God? Would you help us with having a loose lips and a loose tongue? Would you help us to be more wholesome in the way we interact with others? and indeed ourself. God, we love you, we thank you, and I pray that you would help us with this. It's not through willpower, our own self-strength, but your Holy Spirit would really help us to, uh, to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.